Hey guys, this is Rowan. Just opening this episode with a little PSA, a, a, a Porg service announcement, if you will, that this episode of the Porg Material podcast was recorded before the Last Jedi trailer dropped. So if you're wondering why we don't mention that incredible shot of the Porg in this podcast that is entirely devoted to Porgs, it's because we hadn't seen it yet. But it is a fantastic shot, and if anything, it just validates our decision to devote an entire episode of the show to Porgs. Enjoy. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hey, and welcome to Force Material. I'm Rowan Williams. I'm Baz McAllister. It's great to have you with us. And this is the show where we talk about the uh, the source material of Star Wars. Uh, so that's the movies, the art, the history, the literature, the folklore, the politics, the geography, everything uh, that's influenced Star Wars and all the creative minds behind the Star Wars saga over the years. And for this episode, we thought we'd take you back to Skellig Michael and the planet of Actu um, to talk about one of the... Uh, Interesting little inhabitants of that planet that has been garnering a lot of media attention since they first became public knowledge, the Porgs. Absolutely. My uh, Twitter feed has basically just, it's not really, it's not Twitter anymore. It's just Porg. It's just all Porg all the time. To me, Porg was always an acronym for a person of restricted growth. I don't even know what that is. Well, it was like a, a, a really, a politically correct way of describing a Person of restricted growth. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, they are quite short. They are quite Porgs. short. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the word porg is familiar to me, but not in this context. Right. Yeah. Do we think Warwick Davis could be playing a porg? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> He's got to be in it somewhere. Right? Yeah. But his character does have to start with a W. Yeah, uh, that's, that's in true. his contract. That's yeah. true. But there has to be a there has to be a wicket of the porgs. There has to well. well Yes, I think there is, and I think we'll, we'll get to that later in the pod. So, um, so as everyone knows, one of the defining features of Star Wars is the attention to detail the filmmakers put into the wider galaxy at large and the supporting players that inhabit it. I think ever, ever since Luke and the droids and Ben walked into the cantina in Episode 4, we've known how important that is. Like every single thing in the background there has eventually had its own story written about it. Almost to a ridiculous degree. Almost to a ridiculous level. So people obsess over background characters in Star Wars. And I think that the Porgs are no exception. Porgs are based on Puffins, which are the inhabitants of Skellig Michael in real life. Um, Skellig Michael is home to thousands of Atlantic Puffins for at least part of the year. They arrive there in the summer and they're there from around April to about August. Um, and they, they stay there to feed up their chicks um, because a lot of the sea life around Skelling Michael, like eels and such, are, are rich in fat and carbohydrates, and it's really good for their diet. So the puffins actually actively come from a long distance to seek this sustenance during the summer months, and then they go away in winter in quite far away places. In fact, um, I read a study where scientists from the Coastal Marine Research Centre in the University College of Cork, which is quite near Skelling Michael, tracked some of the puffins after they left the island to see where they go in winter, and some of them made them all the way across the Atlantic as far as Canada. 
which wow. is amazing. When you think about these things, they're, they weigh less than half a kilo bobbing around in the middle of the Atlantic in, you know, storm season. Wow. So they've been a lot further than Luke has in, <laughs> in that time. <laughs> they have, yeah. Unbelievable creatures, these puffins. So those are puffins, but mm. what do we, you know, we're still several weeks out from the release of the, the release of the film, obviously, but what, what do we know about porgs? Right. Well, a lot of things have been confirmed about porgs by, uh, both director Ryan Johnson and, um, Lucasfilm story group member Pablo Hidalgo, mostly on Twitter, of mostly course. responding to people who Pablo's, want to know more about porgs. Pablo's natural environment. <laughs> yes. Here we have the Hidalgo <laughs> in his natural environment. <laughs> He communicates in a series of tweets. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> passive-aggressive. <laughs> if you're watching Pablo, if you're listening, Pablo, we love you. Yes, uh, we do. Yeah. Um, so what we know about porgs so far, they're cute. They're cuddly. Yes. But they've so far not experienced the kind of too-cool-for-school backlash that the Ewoks copped, have they? Not so much. But I think it's been, been largely backlash-free. Like, mm. I love Ewoks. Mm. You love Ewoks, right? I, I love the Ewoks. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we'll probably get into this more in another pod, but I I think the Ewoks are the purest expression, in a way, of what Star Wars is when George Lucas first created Star Wars. Star Wars, you know, he was working on Apocalypse Now before Star mm-hmm. Wars, and he abandoned that project. And But basically, a lot of those same ideas went into Star Wars. And in a lot of ways, Star Wars... Um, as much as we kind of talk about it, um, infantile, infant, making it, cinema dumb after that's the one, uh, you know, after, um, a, a lot of these great films throughout the seventies, um, you can definitely look at Star Wars as George Lucas's Vietnam war film. Mm. And that's definitely true with the Ewoks. I see the Ewoks as like Star Wars is all about man versus machine is all about nature versus machine. Yeah. Um, and the Ewoks, are. Uh, that's what the Ewoks are when they're defeating stormtroopers with Ewoks and logs and whatever. That's an, a native species who are using the advantage, their local advantage over this conquering technologically advanced mm. empire. And I, I think that's great. Oh, I want to see a pork with a spear now. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if, if they're going to fulfill the same kind of role, um, whether they're going to be comic relief or they're just going to be flat out annoying. Yeah, it's a good question. I, it's. I mean, obviously, it's hard to say until the film comes out. We're all just sort of spinning to the wind. But I think, uh, I, I think I'm going to love them. I, I think I'm going to love them too. It's, <laughs> it's weird. I get ridiculed for all the Ewok action figures I own, and I own a lot of different Ewok action figures. Not all the same. Right? Can can verify before we recorded this podcast? I've been up to look at Baz's uh, Ewok action figure collection. It's intense. As an Ewok fan, I am very jealous. Yeah. And one of my best mates saw that collection and said, a lot of weirdos there. A lot of Ewoks there are weirdo. <laughs> a lot of weirdos there are Ewok. Well, that's that's a good insult as well. It doesn't yeah. make sense necessarily. But it's- <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that's what sort of made me think twice about buying the uh, $80 interactive Porg on Force Friday this year. <laughs> but I didn't buy it. I'm honestly disappointed in you. I regret that decision. Every, I've regretted that every day. Had I seen one, uh, I can't stress enough that Force Friday is awful in Australia, but had I seen one, I absolutely yeah. would have bought one. Well, me and the other four bedraggled people that turned up in the car, work, the car park of <laughs> Toys R Us early in the morning on the actual Friday, not the Thursday night, which it should have been yeah. midnight opening. Please take note. 
Anyway, um, we all looked at the porg and we thought, yeah, that's quite nice. And one of the other guys who was there said, yeah, my, my four-month-old would love this. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's 80 bucks. And I, I want all the other figures too. And if I come home telling my wife I spent like 400 bucks instead of three, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm going to be in trouble. So, yeah, I avoided buying the porg and I regret it. Yeah, no, that is the that is the tipping point. I think you probably made a smart yeah. move. Okay, so um, but you know, in terms of the cute annoying thing, we've seen a photo of a porg with Chewbacca. Yeah, is Chewbacca going to be annoyed by the porgs, or is he going to secretly love them like the Ewoks? I mean, he had a love hate relationship with the Ewoks. Yeah, um, they were his little country cousins. Yeah, and he kind of got on with them, but they did take the rip out of him and, and, and get under his skin sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, it could also be a little bit like his relationship with C-3PO, mm. where C-3PO clearly annoys him. C-3PO would annoy anybody. But you can tell Chewie loves him. You know, he straps him to his back. He takes care of him. And I, I think maybe that's the type of relationship that he'll he'll have with the Porgs. We should probably point out here, because I'm sure there's someone screaming at their, their iPod or iPod, it's 2017. Uh, However, they're listening to this right now. Uh, Yes, we know that the Ewoks were originally meant to be Wookiees. We do, yes, that's right. Yeah. So, um, other creatures in Star Wars lore that are similar to the Porgs um, include Convaries, Hoojibs, Lothcats. The Porgs are native creatures of the planet of Actu. They're not an introduced species, they're not like the cane toads. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they nest on the sheer cliffs of the islands uh, in much the same way as puffins do. They can fly. Right. That's been confirmed on Twitter. Was that was I, that Pablo? I think it was Pablo, and and I don't know if I don't think he specified how far they can fly or whether they're you know right a capable of proper flight. It might be rubbish flying, well, like yeah. they can sort of fly a few meters. Fly the same way that a duck can yeah, fly. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. <laughs> Their their babies are called porglets. Right. I don't know who's given them these names. Like, that's too cute. Do you know what that's I mean? So good. When, when Luke lands on Acto, he doesn't look over there and go, "Oh, that's a pork," and there's a little porglet. Someone must have told him that. Well, I wonder. Do you? Th- okay, place your bets. Will we hear the word porg in the Last Jedi? You know what? I don't think we will. Mm. Yeah, I agree. We didn't hear the word Ewok uh, in Return of the Jedi. It all, it all came from marketing, as far right. as I'm aware. Okay. So I think Porgs will be the same way. We'll be marketed Porgs to to death. But I don't think we'll actually hear the word Porg in the film. But we'll all know what it is because of the the toys and mm. all the stuff. That's right. The, uh, another fact about them, the collective noun is a murder of Porgs. Amazing. Much the same way as crows. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's just a joke. Uh, that's never going to come up, but... Uh, Solid. These are all rock solid facts. They're rock solid. That's a rock solid fact, but it could also be a joke. <laughs> um, they're not aggressive. They're friendly to Luke. Yeah. So uh, at least now they are. I don't know what it would have been like when Luke first came. You know, were they were they like pooping all over his X wing and getting stuck in the engine? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know if there was a running battle over scraps of food for weeks, like he had with Yoda. <laughs> I assume we'll find out in a, in a tie-in comic somewhere along the way. <laughs> yes, It'll be left to Kieran Gillen or somebody of that nature yeah. to, to tell us the story of, of Luke and the Porgs' first meeting. Porgs have two genders, male and female. The males have orange feathers. The ones without orange feathers are the females. Right. As far as I understand. Uh, they stand about 15 inches tall, so exactly the same size as a puffin. How does that compare 
to the giant porgs that people were winning at Target on Midnight of Force Friday. Have you seen these? Um, my neighbor, Porgo. <laughs> the giant porgs, yes. <laughs> the, 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 the huge, these huge porgs that people were bringing home from, I think you can, I don't think you can buy them. I think you had to win them, you had to at, win them. at Midnight on Force Friday. Right. But I think they would have been much bigger. Much than, bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting that a Star Wars thing can be bigger scale than it should actually be. Yeah. I mean, I've all, as a kid, I've always wanted a full scale R2D2. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great, but a bigger scale R2D2. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. One I could sit in. Just bigger than you. Yeah. <laughs> when I could Kenny Baker around the place. That would be great. <laughs> Make it happen, Lucasfilm. The Porgs are also going to be the stars of a forthcoming young reader picture book called Chewie and the Porgs out the same day as the film. Now, all we've seen of this is the cover, and it's just Chewie walking along the shores of Act 2 with Porgs all over him. Amazing. Porgs following him around, right? Uh, and, and I think one of the most interesting things about, one of the most interesting facts we have about Porgs is that we've seen one in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Yes. Right? Now, there's a kind of a red light behind that picture which suggests that maybe they're not on the planet, maybe they're in space. Yes. So is it possible that the Porgs are going to be taken off planet at some point, one or more? Would you want them to be? I don't know. Like, I, do, I just can't, I can't answer that. I, I kind of had this vision of every time someone goes in the Millennium Falcon now, from now on, they're going to be tripping over a pork. <laughs> they're going to be like the, the rats of the Millennium Falcon. Or the, the tribbles. Or the tribbles, the, yeah. The Millennium Falcon. Precisely. So uh, might Chewie take one or more of them off planet? I would say that the, the, the betting is, is pretty high. Is he going to make friends with one pork in particular? Yes. Now, this is this is what we're talking about. With Is there going to be a wicket of the pork? I the think they will. I think there'll be a pork for us to particularly... Uh, you know, grow fond of and become attached to. And we'll loop around to that point later in the podcast because I want to talk about another race of creatures that we've mentioned before in greater detail. Um, On the pictures of Chewie, though, yes. with with a porg, have you also seen the pictures of Chewie in the cockpit of the Falcon with a feather in his mouth? I have, and that worries me too. <laughs> because if we're supposed to love these little things and Chewie's shoving them in his mouth and we're supposed to love Chewie, I don't know who I'm supposed to love anymore and I'm going to have to just not. <laughs> I'm sorry, Porgs, but I'm going to I'm gonna side with Chewie every time. <laughs> yeah. There, there, are, there are a couple of rumours floating around about them. That okay. they, they, they're little vicious little creatures with razor-sharp teeth and they'd have your hand off as soon as they look at you. Do we know where these rumours have come from? I don't know, but... I think in some of the shots you see of them, it does look like they, they don't have beaks as such, mm. right? They, mm. have, they have definitely have mouths with, with teeth, mm. down, downturned corners, mm. which makes them look a little bit sinister in a way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and there's also a rumour that they are the real protectors of this planet Act 2, and they've given Luke permission to be there. Now, that, that sounds more like the caretakers. It does. It does sound more like the caretakers, who... who or this race of, as we said in a previous podcast, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Space Nuns. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see. I know. You, you are excited by the caretakers. I, I think you want an interactive caretaker toy. You I know. That. I know. Like I, I, was, I was initially weirded out by the fact that they were literally just dressed as nuns. Like it, we've talked in previous podcasts <laughs> about but about it, the one-to-one correlation between Jedi, the Church of the Jedi and the Christian Church, which I find a bit strange. But... They're so cute. They are cute, and not even—it's not even really nuns, is it? It's, the dress is more like it's like a little frilly bonnet, like a Scottish peasant woman of the 18th century might wear. <laughs> so, 
Exactly. Well, so, yeah. I'm, where are my caretaker actions? That's my question. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so yeah, a, a few of the things that we might want to talk about, though, mm. regarding the Porgs. Mm. What's their connection to the Force? Do you think? Okay, now this is this is a great question because to me, if they're on Octo, which has been established as the site of the first Jedi Temple, we know the caretakers are important to the Jedi or that they have flocked to, gravitated towards this Jedi temple. Odds are that any other creatures we see kind of floating around this temple, especially, you know, many, who knows how many thousands of years after it's been established, have also been soaking up all that force juju and are very connected to the force. Um, I think the the Porgs probably have some sort of connection to the force. Mm. Um, I hope they're not just there so Luke can eat them. That would, <laughs> or everything else that lives on that planet can eat them. Because, yeah, well, you know, as I said before, circle of life—you got to eat something. Exactly. Yeah, and that could be a little bit of Lion King cross promotion in the <laughs> film. But I, I want to, I want the Porgs to live. Uh, you have a theory, yeah, about what the Porgs are doing on Octo. Well, if if this is the first Jedi Temple site, and there's a one of these trees, one of these. Strong in the force. You sell it? No, like, hang like, on. Like no, a, no, no. What am I thinking of? Yeah, like a Star Wars weirwood. Yes. Yeah. Um, that that's got all kinds of ancient Jedi lore stuck inside it. It's got to be beaming out signals to anyone strong in the force. Mm. Like, this is this is the tree that we saw Luke take in the Shadow Empire comic book series. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We can assume there's probably more than one of these trees. That's around. right. And, we, and we've seen the base of a tree built as a practical set as well. Right. Um, in one of the set photos that I've seen. Okay. There's the base of this tree. So presumably there's going to be a CG top to this tree. And I think the falcon was parked near it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so there's a large tree there, which we think is one of these trees that's a nexus for the force. In much the same way as the tree on Dagobah was, where Luke entered to have his test against you know the, the Vader mm. um, apparition. Mm. So if there's, if there's this much force energy floating around, why hasn't someone felt that force energy and found Luke just because of it. Mm. Maybe the Porgs push back the force. Maybe the Porgs mitigate that influence and hide the force tendrils moving out into the galaxy. And this is like the Isalamari. Absolutely, yes. Head of the Empire. Empire. We've we've already seen how um, since we wiped the cannon clean and started again when Disney bought Star Wars, things are creeping back in there like Thrawn. Mm. Pretty much untouched in, in, in the form that they were in in previous canon. Mm. Um, and, and that's all to the good. But uh, these Salamiri were obviously from Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy novels. Mm. Same place we got Thrawn from. So if the story group liked Thrawn enough, you know, maybe they'll throw in some of these Salamiri type creatures as well. I, I think the Heir to the Empire series is one of those things where it came along at a time in Star Wars a really strange time in Star Wars history mm-hmm. where we didn't have any other Star Wars material floating around at the time. Like this was end of the empire was the first time that we had this sort of Star Wars is back yeah, phenomenon. It was. Uh, and I think it's the elements of end of the empire that have sort of been chosen to remain in the canon. I think it's very much a take it or leave it kind of scenario. And I think the things they've chosen to leave have mostly been for the good. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, obviously we, you know, if, if Thrawn's back, we can take from that that the story group are fans of the End of the Empire trilogy and, and who isn't. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But we haven't seen Luke back there. <laughs> or Jorus. Exactly. Yeah. They are these clones who yeah. are, we know they're clones because they have an extra U in mm-hmm. their, in their name, an extra letter in their name. Um, but I do wonder if the outbound flight project was going to feature into things as well because there are all these rumors floating around that Snoke is from the, uh, the, the unknown regions. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. that was what the outbound flight project in Zan's novels was meant to discover. Was there life out beyond the galaxy they knew? Mm. So well, maybe someone did go out there and they found Snoke. And that's what brought him down upon our galaxy. For that matter, do we know where Akito is? Not really. No, well, we do. Um, we probably we've do. We've seen a big map of the galaxy. That's rather a point. Yeah, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so we, we could probably... Good point. If we know where anything is, we know where Akito is. It's quite a plot point, actually. All right, well, scrap that. <laughs> but, you know... Sorry, I should be supportive. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you know, maybe uh, maybe that's that's why they haven't been able to to, to detect the this force yeah. readings. Maybe they're too far away from all the other planets. Quite possibly, yeah. But I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the whole concept of the Salamiri thing. I think mm. it's a work of, of uh, genius as a plot point that, that Zan put into his novels that... Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn found these like space sloths that could basically negate the force, and by draping one of them across your shoulders, it meant a Jedi couldn't affect you with any kind of power. Brilliant. I don't think it's brilliant. I love. It. I think we're going to have our first okay. force material throwdown. Let's do this. All right. I don't think it's brilliant. I think uh, what what do we know about the force? The first time we hear about the force in uh, A New Hope, mm-hmm. um, we are told. The force surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. It, it unites all living things. Yeah. Except those slugs over there. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's strange that there would be these slugs over there who are not connected to the force. And not only are they not connected, they can actually negate the force. I, I think that the force, if it's in all living things, I don't I don't want to hear that speech and have to say in my head, well, obviously not the Salamari, but, yeah. but everything else. That's a very good point. But what if the Salamari have some kind of anti-body protection against midichlorians? That's why they can push back the force. They're basically the antibiotics of midichlorians. That's awful. Yeah, we, we Well, the whole thing about midichlorians is awful. <laughs> we could agree on that. I, no, actually, no. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't mind the idea of midichlorians. I, I think they work in terms of... Um, especially if they're just there to later set up a situation where the midichlorians can't predict someone being powerful in the force because, in fact, the force is, is bigger and there's so much more than what these midichlorians can um, can predict. But certainly in terms of... Uh, uh, I don't think the midichlorians are something they're ever going to come back to in the canon. I think that's sort of... <laughs> it's been locked in a... You know, it's been locked away when never revisit... Uh, you know, even Lucas himself never mentioned the midichlorians again. Unless, so I don't think we're going back there. Unless the porgs turn out to be carrying midichlorians on their filthy little bodies. <laughs> like bacterial infection. Very possibly. The thing the thing with the Salamari to me is they're kryptonite. Like, they, they are... They are. They, their plot, their exactly plot purpose they are. is they are Star yeah. Wars kryptonite. And I, I, it's lazy. I've never <laughs> I've never liked kryptonite. You know, and I, I love I love Timothy Zahn. His books are amazing. But but just that specific plot point doesn't work for me. I, I, I don't like the idea of kryptonite. I think if you have a character that's so overpowered that the only way you can tell a story with that character is to then 
create uh, a, another a, a, a plot related thing that takes away all the abilities of that character. Why are you even telling stories about that character? You could be telling stories about anybody. So, to me... So, you're saying they just turned Thrawn into a blue Lex Luthor who just likes paintings. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, well, I mean, Lex likes paintings as well in... But, but yeah, I, to me, it's, that's, that's why, that's why they don't, you know, the, the Isamari don't work for me, but I trust Ryan Johnson. Mm. I trust the story group. Puffins are adorable. Puffins are adorable. Look at the way they walk. It's like, yeah, they're like little drunk men in tuxedos. It's incredible. Exactly. So I, I think they could make it work. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it doesn't have to be anything more than a throwaway line. But if they do have a throwaway line establishing, oh, well, the reason the First Order never found me or the Resistance never found me or nobody ever found me is because the Porgs uh, push back again. The, por- it's, 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 the Porgs are a lot like yeah, the East Alamari, which you may remember. When, from- you, when you put it like that, yeah. And I just think... And, and then once- you wouldn't say Porg because we can't say That's true, you can't say Porgs. say these the little birds. That's true. But, when, but even once you introduce that then there's no way that doesn't come back up. Mm-hmm. There's no way that Snoke or Kylo Ren doesn't then use the Porgs as kryptonite to remove Luke's Jedi powers <laughs> later on. Um, I'm not a fan of any of this. <laughs> yeah. Two seconds after you said that, I was horrified. It's now 10 seconds of that. I'm actually loving it. <laughs> I want to see Snoke covered in Porgs, like like the climbing frame of the birds. <laughs> This Kylo just holding one, like weaponizing the pawns. Yeah. Like, all right, you've sold me. This is a oh, great yeah. idea. Right. These Salamari were fantastic yeah. the whole time. Little do we know, this is exactly what Colin Trevorrow was planning, <laughs> and that's why things went a different way. So <laughs> we've gone very off topic. We have, we have. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about was that. The porgs remind me, and I don't know exactly why they do this, but they remind me of a species from the old Marvel comic run mm. in the 70s and 80s. And this, I think they were introduced in the 80s. But uh, you're aware of the hoojibs, aren't you? Of course. Yeah, and if anyone who's listening isn't, Google hoojib. I guarantee you two minutes later when you get up off the floor after your paroxysms <laughs> of laughter, you can tune back in and we'll tell you a bit more about them. <laughs> Assuming that there's someone out there who is listening to this podcast but doesn't have the power of Google or feels like they shouldn't have to resort to Google in order to listen to our podcast. How would you describe the hoojibs? Right. I'm going to try and do it as concisely as possible. Sentient, mm-hmm. telepathic. Love it. Pastel pink rabbits with floppy ears, big eyes, one single antenna out the forehead. Hardly any mouth. If I don't know if they even had a mouth. Um, but they have the, they feed on energy and they have the power to drain and feed on energy. I love it. That's a hoochie. And uh, and they're they're pretty intelligent, like uh very intelligent. How intelligent are we are we talking? We're to, well we're talking like they they're not going to end up as food for Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> they lived on a planet called Arbra, right? Which was a planet that the rebels fled to after Hoth in search of a base. And there was a whole bunch of storylines in the early Marvel comics about the rebels trying to find a new base after Hoth. Mm. Um most of which didn't involve Han Solo, <laughs> for obvious reasons. But uh, after Luke and Leia touched down in Arbor looking for this new base, they made friends with a guy called Pliff. I say a guy, he was a rabbit, a pink pastel rabbit with an <laughs> antenna. 
gone over his head. Um, we're all just guys here. You know, yeah, that's... we're all just guys here. No, Pliff was the wicket of the Hoojibs. Right. Pliff was the main guy. He became good friends with Luke. They hung out a lot. They went on missions together. I'm wondering if Luke's going to have the same kind of relationship with one or more of these porgs. I don't know. Do you think he'll go on missions with a porg? He might. Mm. Pliff was pretty useful on missions. What were some of the what were some of the things that Pliff would do? Well, you know, he, he was telepathic. Well, that was good. That's, that's um, a heavy. He could, and he could drain energy. Like I think in the first storyline, the Hujibs drained the entire rebel camp of all its energy, like shutting down all the droids and taking out all the ships. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you know, they're, they're like little rabbit EMPs. Well, that's a useful ability to have. But how would that? How do you think that would sort of factor in? Let's 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 follow you down the, the, the Porg hole and say that the Porgs have telepathic abilities. They could do, yeah. How do you think this would manifest itself in the new canon? I have no idea. Like It's it's a ridiculous enough thing to have to try and depict in a comic. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to have to, to see Luke Skywalker, a, a very dignified, bearded Mark Hamill, having some kind of telepathic bird's voice in his head that we <laughs> kind of hear in this dreamlike sequence as a voiceover. <laughs> um, that, what would it say for a start? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> Use the force, look. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there's been there's, there has been though in in the new canon. There's been a lot of talk about kyber crystals. Mm, Do you think the poor could be connected, or the you know if the if the poor are essentially the new hujibs, could they be connected to kyber crystals? Well, that's the thing, right? In the comic book story. The Porgs had a worst, worst enemy called the Slivalith. The Hoojibs. Sorry, the Hoojibs. Yeah, the Hoojibs. I beg your pardon. I'm I'm conflating them far too much there for my own good. (laughs) Yeah, the Hoojibs had a worst enemy called the Slivalith. And it was a big, green, floating, manta ray cross with a bat type thing that basically kicked them out of all their caverns full of crystals. And that's why they hooked up with the Rebels to get back in there. And and just, this is the story that you think will 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 come back in. Oh, I don't know, but it's just interesting that the Kyber crystals have this connection to the Force now. Yeah, you know, and and who knew when in nineteen seventy seven that the Death Star was powered by the Force? Mm. You know, essentially. So uh, I'm just thinking, Rogue One would have been a much shorter film. If all the rebels had to do was get like a crate of Hujibs onto the Death Star, stand back, and just wait for them to. Eat the guts out of the main super weapon. It definitely would have been a much cuter film. That's <laughs> for sure. Been, yeah. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> um, I was never able to buy a toy hujib. They never made a toy of it. Even well, now? Why, why, like even... why would they make a toy of something from the comic? But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, even, yeah, even now, I think maybe, uh, I suppose if you go on Etsy, you could probably buy one. <laughs> you can buy anything there most likely but uh, yeah as a kid like uh, reading those comics as a I don't know 8, 10 year old I just wanted a, a toy hoojib maybe I just wanted a pet rabbit I don't know <laughs> well there's been Jackson toys so obviously Jackson is the big green rabbit who was introduced in uh, Jackson I'm not entirely sure Jackson with Jackson. Two X's, yeah yeah Jackson, Jackson. Yeah. he was uh, obviously introduced uh, early in the Marvel series and Another he's, rabbit. Yes, another rabbit. Really big thing with Marvel Comics for some reason. And he seems to have been something where the fans have reclaimed him to a degree. Like there were, uh, Marvel did Jackson variants uh, on at least right. one or yeah. two of their comics. Where he's on the other side of the door from the main characters. That's right. Yeah, that was a great cover. Um, 
And there's, I'm sure there's been a Jackson action figure over the years somewhere. So is Hoojib's kind of like the hipster Jackson where, <laughs> where even, you know, you, you have to be really into it to know about the, yeah. the Hoojib. So our, our Porg's going to be the hipster Ewok. <laughs> I think yeah. I had another interesting brush with Hoojib just as a, an aside before we finish uh, I ran several Star Wars role playing game campaigns in the 1990s mostly and uh, one we had a Hoojib player character in I actually convinced someone to play a Hoojib <laughs> and that was great so we ra- I ran this campaign based around an elite X-Wing unit called Outrider Squadron and they were made up of beings of various races who were all pilots, but also had some other kind of special skill. And this was, I think, before the Wraith Squadron book came out. So, you know, don't blame me for any of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we had a character called Griff the Hoojib. Uh-huh. Not terribly original. Um, it was pretty much Pliff with a different letter. Sure. Um, but Griff was a master diplomat and X-Wing pilot. And how he flew the X-Wing was they had a special harness in the cockpit that we just put him in. <laughs> and he just hung there and flew it with telekinesis. <laughs> I would love to see a Porg fly an X-Wing. I'd love to see a Porg fly an X-Wing. Or the Falcon. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe a, a tie If cartoon. Chewie gets shot in the arm again and starts crying, maybe <laughs> Porg can take over. Who knows? <sighs> <laughs> so if anyone has any ideas about what role they think the Porgs are going to play in The Last Jedi in the wider Star Wars universe... Please email us and let us know or tweet us. So you can email us at forcematerial at gmail.com. That's right. You can find us at, uh, at forcematerial on Twitter or Facebook uh, or Instagram. Wherever good social medias are found, you can find <laughs> us there. We are stalked. But uh, thank you for listening once again. This has been Force Material and you've just taken your first step into a larger world.